Thank you very much for organizing this event. I'm very happy to be part of this. This particular presentation I'm going to deliver is not necessarily related directly to COVID-19 or pandemic situation. Nonetheless, it provides us with certain interpretative framework which might be helpful with uh, other reactions, social reactions towards migrants uh, under the current circumstances as well. Uh, so it needs to be understood as, a, as this presentation as a little exercise in the sociology of moral panics, which I find as a useful interpretative social tool for understanding the current social control techniques, which emphasize such uh, categories as risk, responsabilization techniques, um, shifting risks of individuals from the states, the crisis of welfare state, and so on and so forth. This might be helpful also for our ongoing project. Therefore, I wanted to share with you with my recent findings. I've been carrying out a research project back in Britain for some time, and I'm close to conclusions uh, out of this project. And the findings, most notably theoretical findings, might be later on used also on working on a paper that hopefully will be a part of our ending book of our project. So I'm starting my presentation, given that our time is tight, I will try to keep uh, within this 20-25 minutes schedule, so I will basically read my presentation through, more or less. Okay, so just to define the problem, what, I, what I'm basically talking about. I'm talking about, about the, the 216 EU membership referendum uh, taking place in Britain, which has introduced a period of uncertainty for both the indigenous population and for non-British citizens in the UK. And this uncertainty will be considered within a framework of the recent revisions in the sociology of moral practice through an analysis of interviews with Polish migrant workers. And this analysis reveals two main discursive framing logics, which I will refer to uh, in this presentation. The first logic refers to a self-reported anti-Polish migrant moral panic discourse that, according to respondents, was exploited by British anti-migrant campaigners. The second type of articulations illustrates so-called good moral panic logic, namely a panic in discourse appearing among respondents about the vulnerability of the community in post-referendum Britain. However, in this presentation, I will try to problematize uh, the good moral panic logic by eliciting competitive narratives found in the interview data. These competitive narratives did not aim merely at stimulating caring attitudes, but referred also to moral regulation techniques in order to manage Brexit-oriented risks and avoid trap of becoming a vulnerable migrant. 
And this presentation draws on the data from uh, March 2017 interviews with certified Polish labor migrants based in the north of England. I, I will skip the rest description of the methodological approach since we will um, be running out of time. Most likely, I'm going to indulge in describing this link. Now, while I'm referring to the good Moroccan concept, which is the most controversial part, we may say, of this presentation, and probably speaking about the sociology of Moroccanics these days, because we used to see uh, rather Moroccanics in a more conventional way, that is, the sociological reactions of uh, the hegemonic sections of the society, not necessarily those who are perceived as marginalized, for instance. They normally, they are, uh, they are not panicking, right? They are just receiving reactions of the hegemonic sections of society. So, therefore, according to this conventional concept, there is no such a thing like a good moral panic. Moral panic is always bad in this sense. However, we are dealing also with some new reformulations existing in the, in the scholarship of the moral panics, where the category of good moral panics is also being elaborated, and I'm referring to this concept this day. So this presentation demonstrates that an analyst panic about anti-Polish migrant panic has not been nearly structured by recurring discourses of vulnerable Poles confronted with the anti-migrant xenophobia and the growing ambiguity due to British political debate concerning their rights in the post-referendum UK. It is also argued in this presentation that analysis should be incorporated in a broader social control interpretative framework, which besides current relations or community-oriented concerns, explores also elements of a panic as moral regulation model hypothesis. I will uh, later talk a little bit about the moral regulation and how it intersects with moral panic studies. Namely, I refer to observations that some interviewees were using a discursive figure of a Polish migrant inner folk debut, portrayed by compatriots as an irresponsible individual who fails in managing Brexit-related risks. And these inner folk debuts were perceived as irresponsible because they allegedly did not employ proper strategies facilitating their community integration. And this observation has something to do uh, with the recent scholarship about the changing citizenship legitimization narrative strategies. That is to say, we observe that prudent Polish migrants employed self-interpolating discourse. When I'm referring to the category of interpolation community, I'm thinking about the category proposed by Luis Althusser, of course, that it means create, creating a certain uh, subjectivities, and identities of the subjectivities, which identified them as responsible subjects avoiding risks and mobilize themselves as entrepreneurial individuals capable of doing something about their post-referendum life. These articulation strategies, sometimes underpinned by racist overtones, as, for instance, my and a colleague suggested, but also there are some other papers, may have instilled in Poles a sense of earned membership in British society. And this sense of belonging was not based on a common national identity but on perceived economic contribution to a neoliberal community market. Now, a few words about Brexit politics and migrants, just to give you a hint about the factual data I'm dealing with. 
a certain factual background for this theoretical elaboration. So we, we, we have to be aware about the certain unprecedented inflow of Central and Eastern European migrant workers to the UK after the May 2004 EU enlargement. Okay? This critically affected not only the British labour market, but also contributed to the discursive framework of the Eastern European migrant figure as a constant point of reference for British politicians, mass media, and the general public. And the role of these newly arrived migrants for Britain's social economic systems was heavily debated uh, since then, since 2004, with voices identifying beneficial aspects of migrants who filled gaps in economic sectors, for instance, and contributed to economic prosperity of British society, while others juxtaposed migrants with the rise of criminal activities, abuses of social benefits, and taking jobs from the indigenous population. And the latter, the latter voice, is overlapped with the growth of these migrant hostile social reactions. And this included different uh, aspects like hate speech incidents and what I am concerned of moral panic campaigns. And uh, among various anti migrant imageries, there has been one set of concerns that predominantly drove moral panic campaigns over the last decade, namely, the employment insecurities allegedly caused by the Eastern European migrants towards the indigenous population. And clearly another source of constant anti-migrant discourses was associated with political interest groups, most notably the Conservative Party, of course. Now, a few words about this concept and its recent revisions, that is to say, the sociology of Marapanic. So over the last two decades, I, I don't have time, of course, to go into more detail. I will just uh, give you a certain basic flavor about these recent revisions and why these revisions are relevant for my study. So over the last two decades, the sociology of moral panics has witnessed important repopulations. This started uh, with uh, Michael Robbie and Thornton's article stipulating the necessity for the revision of moral panic theory including deconstructing the passive role of all the views, problematizing the very sense of moral transgression, or identifying the ambiguous function of moral guardian. And this author's seminal work, as well as other contributions, suggested that the original concept gave an account of social control mechanism in the late 1960s, relatively homogeneous society, which clearly differs from a much more complex modern social public. Just to remind you, the, so, the, the, this conventional assumption of moral panics were basically that there are a certain dominant hegemonic values existing in the given society, and these uh, values or interests at times are being threatened by some decent uh, voices, and these decent voices are being punished by uh, hostile social reactions, usually through picking up certain deviant figures, which were so-called folk deviants. But the situation has greatly changed since then, okay? There is no such a uh, homogeneous type of society these days. We are living in a much more differentiated context of uh, plurality of different normative uh, structures, uh, interest groups, and there is no such a clear-cut division existing between folk deviants and uh, moral panic proponents. Further, the very moral panic analytical framework has itself been challenged. For instance, Kritcher, Charles Kritcher, for 
argued that Stanley Cohen's processual model of panics and later Rudy and Benny original model of panics should be taken as ideal types that rarely, if ever, take shape with analytical sharpness and distinctiveness in empirical settings. Importantly, some authors have postulated that linking the concept of parapanic with, with non-sociology of deviance, uh, oriented theories would give a broader description of late modern society's control mechanism. I will turn to this now. And this, uh, this uh, so-called uh, ideal types of moral panics. Every moral panic consists of several identifications, right? Like exaggeration of claims of moral panic proponent. So uh, existing disproportion. This is a very, uh, very important for instance. We don't have time for this. We stand past time. So moral regulation. The most profound attempt to broaden the theoretical reformulation of the sociology of moral panics relates to extended area of research that links panics to moral regulation studies. And these studies, moral regulation studies, have examined the discursive practices of moralization that were gradually spreading in Western societies and interpolating modern prudence individuals capable of managing risks and avoiding harm. Okay? And according to Heyer, Sean Heyer, in advanced Western liberal societies, moralization understood as a government strategy brings about strategic convergence between risk, responsibility, and morality. And consequently, against this routine moralization procedures, panics constitute episodes accentuating the failure of long-term moral regulation. In other words, Panics call for coercive measures to constrain from debuts perceived as individuals who avoid risk management strategies. Okay, if we agree that this social control mechanism called uh, moral regulation calls for avoiding risk management strategies, and there are certain individuals or groups who this or other reason ignore these calls, then moral panics enter the scene in order to discipline those who are not happy with this regulation uh, measurement. Now, the conceptual linkage of moral panic research with moral regulation studies has substantially revised the conventional approach of the former, which tacitly assumes that panics expresses regressive societal reactions towards different categories of vulnerable individuals, and through these perpetuate social Importantly, in contrast to the focus of conventional studies on the normative hegemony, a revisionist talent has problematized the very sense of moral substance that is protected by panic campaigns. And as Hayek reminds us, moral panics are gradually less concerned with identity and moral frontier issues and increasingly arranged by social problems related to risk, harm, and personal responsibility. Okay? So, therefore, this is less important, and this is why it's better connected, for instance, to the late advanced capitalist societies, which are less concerned, actually, with the national legitimization citizenship problems. And they are more into uh, responsabilization, efficient, uh, economic efficiency, and so on. Thus, panics understood as negatively coded neoliberal responsabilization techniques employed by prudent citizens shift analysis into more normatively ambiguous terrain as compared with mainstream scholarship focused on 
the conservative strategies of cultural hegemony reproduction. So before I come to um, findings, I will tell you a few things about good practice. So along with the replacement of moral substance with different categories of risks to the analytical center of contemporary panics, therefore we should know the proliferation of new social movements, for instance, concerned with progressive social problems, for instance, environmental, uh, environmental crisis, race and gender equality, or corporate crime. This turn in agenda setting paved the way for new panics, which according to Cohen might be perceived as good. And since then, as data, colleagues have suggested moral panic campaigns cannot be associated only with conventional conservative areas of focus. For instance, sexual conduct, violence, youth weakness, but also as demonstrated by higher with acts of compassion and care for vulnerable subjects. And this conceptual shift was particularly insightfully demonstrated by a recent piece by Carlson analysis of moral breaches in the context of American disputes on race and crime. Here, good moral panic campaigners contested hegemonic order and dominant values and social injuries. Now, findings. The interview data reveal basically two different differing panic framing logics. The respondents either experience individually or they perceive them among the British public. And the first type of articulations refers to self-reported anti-Polish moral panic discourse that, according to respondents, was exploited by political actors and various self-appointed anti-migrant campaigners. And the respondents claim that their image as abusers of the welfare state or of those who steal the jobs of British people has been consistently used against them in the media, social media, and through word of mouth. And this self-reported type of moral discursive structure has been primarily organized by articulations appealing to broad British social interests. Namely, according to this panicking framing, logic, Polish migrants are perceived as false devils who compromise the employment safety of the indigenous population. So we're not talking about the identity issue that Poles are threatening, for instance, this sense of collective identity, but economic uh, interests. A Polish horn devil provides, therefore, a necessary point of reference, as the interview data suggests, for claims making, revealing why responsabilization, this is moral regulation techniques, fail. Good moral panics. The second framing logic detected in the interview data was a good moral panic. And this was organized by articulations expressing the grievances of Polish migrants who portrayed themselves as victims of both hectic post-referendum policies and an anti-Polish migrant moral panic campaign. As with the anti-migrant moral panic, the good moral panic logic was stirred by risk charge articulations. Again, again, abstract risk charge articulations. This echoed many contemporary moral panics, namely a good panicking framing logic was not drawing on any moral substance as its core point of reference. Instead, it was enacted by risk-oriented teams, such as lack of a future in the UK, employed by the Poles who felt that might not be able to secure the residential citizen rights in the UK. In, in the UK. A major feature of this good moral panic uh, was evident due to self-recognized vulnerability of the Polish community, confronted with episodes of xenophobia. Even more important were the post-referendum political ambiguities concerning the residential rights of non-British citizens. 
In other words, as with Carson inquiry over a bridges drawing for an example of black folk devils fighting back against dominant institutional racism in the US, Polish migrants have recognized themselves as unwelcomed foreigners deprived of protection. Now, what is however interesting, several respondents openly avoided using vulnerable migrant-oriented articulations while identifying their subjectivities and instead employed a variety of moral regulations-oriented articulations to define their modus operandi in the post-referendum UK. The latter field of discursive significance was typically organized by the proxies of risk, harm, and individual responsibility, which required targeting folk devils to stigmatize their conduct, and in opposition to them, self-interpolate identities of those seemingly acting as responsible entrepreneurial subjective. Those competitive narratives affirm the rational co conduct of the specific group of Polish migrants who referred to both personal responsibility and their cultural capital resources, for instance, education, in order to manage Brexit-oriented risks and avoid the trap of becoming the vulnerable individuals. So these prudent respondents usually we associated the figure of, of a vulnerable individual with a working class Polish migrant. So we see a certain also class dimension antagonism existing within the very migrant community who was perceived as unable, this lower class, right, was unable to develop his or her skills. Skills that would have reduced the probability of being affected by formal and informal anti-migrant exclusion. Vulnerable migrants were not therefore portrayed in a good moral panic terms as subjects deserving care and compassion. On the contrary, they were perceived as irresponsible Polish inner folk devils, blamed for failing to exercise a prudent form of risk management. In contrast, respondents who considered themselves as disciplined avoided post-referendum risk by resorting to their cultural capital resources for instance, education attainment, status positioning, and their flexibility of the labor market. Conclusion. Because of what I see, I've been already talking close to 20 minutes. A tendency to target this Polish inner folk devils I've just referred to might be inscribed in the context of moral regulation machinery, since these articulations typically use the failed citizen figure against which Various self-appointed responsible individuals reaffirm their good citizen subject. Specifically, they analyze claims making gains its, function, its functionality within the global context of an advanced capitalist society where over the last decades risks have been gradually privatized and shifted by a neoliberal state to citizens who are expected to manage various insecurities on their own. Also, we can notice a certain implicit moral regulation flavor within an earlier signal context of changing citizenship legitimacy in a neoliberal community of value underpinned by the hard work ethic confronted with economical worthlessness. So the failed citizen in this sense will be this economic worthless migrant against this good citizen who is uh, obeying to the hard work ethics, right? And conclude the last uh, sentences in this presentation. It is risk rather than a substance, substantive moral concern that stands at the core of too analyzed panic training projects. Risk. 
Firstly, in line with the panic as a moral regulation model, it was argued that for some segments of the British public, Polish migrants have represented a symbol of foreigners who constrained them from acting as a responsib responsible individuals in managing their employment risks. Secondly, besides finding similarities to a good moral panic, some irregular moral regulations features were also identified in its core framing logic, which I just revealed, that is to say, some moral regulation also uh, themes were, uh, were available there. Thank you very much for your attention.